let's pray together. God, we do want to sing your praise, not just in the singing and the act of participating in these songs, but we pray that our lives would sing your praise, that our listening would sing your praise, that our relationships and our forgiveness would sing your praise. Um, God, we pray that this church would sing your praise, that we would desire to share your love with people and to invite people to the party of the gospel, to help one another grow and become more like Jesus. Lord, I pray in these few moments together where I get to humbly share your words, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would confront any sins or attitudes in our hearts, that you would encourage places of obedience and faithfulness that we may have. God, I pray that in some regards, you would wipe away any of the frustrations or heartaches we may have come into the room with, and in other ways that you would bring comfort and joy and peace for those who are struggling in this room that are wondering how you will save the day in their life or how you will rebuild something that's broken. Um, God, I pray that we would laugh and that we would be joyful, that we would be serious and we would be sensitive. Um, I pray that there are so many different people and different kinds of people in our church that I pray that you would do what I can't, which is speak individually to hearts in this room, to take little graces and little moments of your involvement as we hear the word and as we hear what the preacher has to say and help us to apply them to our life as part of a family and a team, the church, but also as individuals who are seeking you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, please have a seat. As you know, I am a weird pastor, and there's, there's no need for an amen, I don't think. But. So I, I enjoy today's topic. Somebody might have looked at their bulletin and, uh, and you know, hit the exits today. We're talking about money, but I really like talking about it. I think it's because most of my life I haven't had very much of it, so I didn't have to worry about being one of those pastors, you know, um, Dave with his gold rims both on his teeth and his car. I'm not that guy. Um, But I'm also very thankful for the things that God has taught me to take care of my family and to shepherd a church. So I'm really excited about it. And I will just, a little inside baseball that I think the nine o'clock service can handle. This is something as a family of families that we need to talk about from time to time. But my goal when I talk to you about money is to be a blessing in your life, not to pack your bags for a guilt trip, um, not to build a wing of the church, but to bless you and let the truth set you free in that part of your life. So um, I wanna, here's a couple just reasons I want to talk to you about money today. Reason number one, I want God's word to bless you and build you up. I'm not here this morning as a fundraiser for Southside Christian Church. I'm here as a preacher that you might learn about stewardship of God's resources, that you might enjoy um, letting him use you in those ways, and especially that you might be set free if you have uh, issues or debt or just kind of the baggage that we all pick up about those things. I want to always ring the bell for things like Financial Peace University. Anything you can do if you are underwater or hurting or confused about what God's principles are, that you do the work to find those things out and be set free in your life. 
Um, two, I want you and I to bless, or you and me to bless others with our resources. Um, it's just so exciting as a pastor. I get to hear many, many stories and many more I don't get to hear about some family who helped another family or some brother or sister who helped another brother or sister in a quiet and humble way with meeting a need. Number three, um, as a leader, I don't want our church to ever worry about money. Um, I don't want it to ever take the front um, page in an unhealthy way. I sincerely hope that this talk and the truth I'm going to share might create more givers, more sacrifice, more generosity in our church, um, but that our church leans on God and his ability to provide. Uh, and so I, I, don't, I don't want us to ever be a church that's sidetracked by those things. And so I do want to ask you if you came today and you're like, oh, great, they're talking about money. Just power through this one, and, and you're not going to hear another one probably for a long time and don't overreact. Uh, I go to that church and all they talk about is money. This is the first one in at least uh, 16 months or something like that. Um, And number four, a real reason I love talking about this on December 1st, Merry Christmas, is uh, Christmas and the holiday money hangover. I hope it's not too late already. I hope you didn't already max out all your credit cards on on, uh, Black Friday or Amazon Monday or whatever the new national holiday is. Um, now, this will blow your mind, and it might, it might hit you differently depending on how much um, you make, you know, how much your family takes in, but Americans on an average, so this means include the people who, you know, spend zero or, or very little or, you know, whittle their Christmas gifts in the shed, um, but Americans spend an average of $1,200 every December alone just on gifts, and I like to get under and behind the numbers, and I want you to add to that 1,200, you know, the many times where you go, I'm so exhausted, let's just get pizza tonight, you know, or it's Christmas, I'm going to bring 5,000 cupcakes to the office, you know, all these little hidden costs. We apparently spend an average of $1,200 just on gifts, not travel, not food, not grabbing a pizza, not from all the other fa la 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 that we do in December but just on gifts. Wow. And for some of you, that might be, that number might be, well, that's no biggie. I have that kind of money, you know, um, um, and you've planned for it. Some of you just love Christmas and you don't spend any money the rest of the year. And so I don't want you to feel bad about that. Um, But studies show that the majority, uh, believe it or not, of people that spend upward of 1,000, 1,200, 1,500, put it on their credit card and think about it on January 15th or so when the bill comes. Um, Also, our church has really been growing, and I thought a good money talk could stop that. So that's, (laughs) that's my fifth reason. You know, I was just hearing so many awesome things about the Collins talk last week and, and the numbers at our church have been just outstanding this fall. So I thought, you know, I can fix that. I'll just do one, one talk about giving. I'm kidding, and I probably won't make that joke other than the 9 o'clock service, but that's for you. You guys get a little bonus track if you are old enough to remember what a bonus track is. Right into the scriptures, Matthew chapter 6. It's a classic, and it's living. It's God's living word. You're going to get something out of it just from me reading it. But uh, listen up. This is the word of God from Jesus' own mouth. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now remember, 
going to leave out probably a lot of the context of this conversation that Jesus is having, all of those red letters in Matthew chapter 5 and 6. But he's talking to people that need to hear this, and I would put you and I in that same boat. We need to hear this. The most generous, sacrificial giver in the room needs to hear this. Um, The most uptight and worried about money person in the room needs to hear this. There's not a human who doesn't need to hear this. These are Jesus' words, and the big idea, Jesus gives it to us himself. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what I want to challenge you in these scriptures today is to treasure the right things. And like I said, it has to do with you. It has to do with me. It has to do with our church. It has to even do with this month and the decisions we make. But treasure the right things. There is a tie between our hearts and our money. We know that from our own experience in how angsty or joyous we get about money and the change of money in our lives. But the scriptures are full of stories about money, and especially about God and money and God's people and money. Now, here's just some. If you really want to read all of those, you can take a picture of that or ask me later. I'll send you my notes. It's all over the scriptures. There's just uh, 15 or 20 of them. Most of the stories are bad. Did you know that? There's very few stories that are highlighted in the Bible um, other than the building of the temple and some cool moments that I'm going to talk about that are good. Most of them are bad cautionary tales. Um, One of the examples I want to highlight is the story of Achan in Joshua 6 and 7. God instructs the children of Israel, you probably know this story, many of you, to attack Jericho. And the rule that he lays down is, I will give you the victory, but I want you to abstain from the accursed things. And I want you to bring all the silver, gold, and vessels of bronze and iron that you take as part of your conquering to the Lord into the treasury, treasury of the Lord. Achan, one single solitary individual, disobeys the command of the Lord, and he keeps for himself a beautiful garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 pounds. That's his retirement plan, I guess. Because of this man's sin, Israel is then defeated at the battle of Ai, and this man, Achan, is put to death. Because his heart coveted after these riches instead of honoring the Lord and doing as the Father had asked. And if you burrow in, it's probably not just that he did that, but there's all of these other rivers of consequence coming in. He also put himself above and thought that he was special and different than everyone else that received this same command and didn't do his part. So there's all kinds of things going on. How about a good example? The widow's mite, collection for the temple in Mark 12. This is such a beautiful story where Jesus and the disciples are watching the giving in the temple treasury. And if you've read the story, one of the versions highlights how many are coming by and making a big show of their gifts. You've probably heard all the stories about how some of them would blow a trumpet. Some of them would purposefully bring a lot of coins so that when those coins hit, uh, the way they would put them in there, it made a big sound maybe bigger than the actual value you do it at starbucks you know if you ever notice you got to make sure you got eye contact with the barista when you put that dollar in there because if they don't see it what's the point nobody knows you're a hero so this is happening and what's kind of twisted is the disciples at this point are watching and they're very impressed with it And they're very impressed by the big amounts and by the the attention that's being drawn and the beautiful garments that people are wearing as they're doing this. Mark 12, 41 through 44, as he sat down, Jesus, opposite the treasury and watched the people 
putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make, for our benefit, a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And so you see like this great example of trust. And we won't dig into that. That's not our main passage today. Number three, back to the bad news, Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5. You know this story. They lied about how much they gave to the apostles for ministry and for the church. They lied, they died. You think about in that story, they sold a field. And they, check this out, they sold a field. Aaron, they sold a field and they gave 50% of the proceeds to the church. I want to tell you, we're not as judgmental as the apostles at this church. If you want to do that, you know, we'll be like, cool, man. All right. But like the problem was they gave the impression or the outright lie that they gave 100% of the proceeds to the church. And so the apostles call them in. They probably think they're going to get a medal, you know, or have a little, a little plaque, you know, put up in the new church or something. And he says, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? And, they, and I like to think about what that moment was like. They probably went like, which, which one? You know, like, what, what are you talking about? And they said, why did you say that you put it all in, but you only, you know, gave half? And then before he really even gets to explain, you know the story, Ananias hits the dirt. He, he dead. He is dead. And then the wife comes in, and you just love when the Bible, it's like Shakespeare, the spirit of Shakespeare comes into Acts chapter 5, because it says, you know, something like, the feet of the men who buried your husband are now at the door. Behold, the time of your death is nigh. You know, and it's just like, and then she hits it, and then people are like, whoa. And again, it's not that they only gave 50%. <laughs> It's that they lied to the Holy Spirit and they held back. Um, and then the rich young ruler, Matthew 19. In this story, a rich young ruler comes to ask Jesus a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? You know, only God is good. And the question he asks is how he might have eternal life. Jesus answers the man by telling him that he needs to obey the commandments. And the rich young ruler wrongly, I think, says, great, I've done all of that. And he says, there's one thing you lack. You know, go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and then come and be my disciple. And then it says, oh, just so sadly, it says he went away sad, you know. He went away sad because he couldn't do that. And we miss in that story that it's not just every Christian ever should give everything they have and get rid of everything they have, and that's what it means to be godly. Um, Jesus looked into this man's soul and said, I think there's a false idol in your soul. I think there's something that you're attached to. And then he offers him offers him discipleship. So at a point in time when not everyone could be a disciple or was being called by God, there's actually quite a trade going on here where the Lord says, give up that, but I'm going to give you everything ever that you could ever, ever want spiritually and in a million other ways. And so it's not Jesus being a jerk in that moment as much as saying, I want to talk about the thing that's on your heart. So today, it may not be money for you. It might be something else. It might be a sin or an attitude or a religious pride or, 
or an addiction or something that you just can't let Jesus put his finger on. And don't miss that because the scriptures are living and active. And while I'm talking about this, God may be speaking to you about some other areas in your life. Remember, these are Jesus' words when he says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Lay up treasures in heaven. These are Jesus' words. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so I want to challenge you to treasure the right things. Let's walk through the passage. There's some Greek stuff going on here that's interesting, but it's so simple. You guys have, have got it already, I'm sure, but let's walk through it a little bit. Do not lay up for yourselves. Do not lay up. In the Greek, the, the tense of it is saying, stop now. Me thasar is ete. Stop now. It's not a get to it when you're older or, you know, accumulate now and, and worry about this when you're older and you want to think about spiritual things. It's this really abrupt stop now, right now. Stop laying up for yourselves. I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you're thinking this way. I can't believe you've been with me this long. I can't believe you've heard everything I've already said. Stop doing that and start doing this. So it's important to understand the urgency Jesus brings with it. And then, too, the heart in the Hebrew mind is not just your emotions or your love or the things that you like. The heart is the center of the personality. So to say that what you treasure, uh, you know, will also reveal your heart or to say um, that for where your treasure is, your heart will be, is to say the things you treasure really reveal who you are. Who you are. So are you a stuff guy or are you a Jesus guy? Are you a things woman or are you a Jesus woman? Are you a worry woman or a Jesus woman? Are you a competition guy or you are a Jesus guy when it comes to money and treasures and the things that we accumulate? Jesus is not really all that concerned about your money or my money. Money follows the heart and he's very concerned about the heart. And so I want to ask you this morning, what do you treasure? What do you treasure? Now, seriously, if you're doing awesome, don't get mad at the pastor or think this is some new level of guilt, but be excited about that and grow others around you in, in, in your life in those things. But if God is poking at your heart, I had a friend one time who was in tears. This was quite a while ago, but he was in tears because he had bought a pair of expensive ski gloves and he realized that for that day, that was his God. And some of us could be like, what a loser. But some of us could see the heart in that and just be like, oh my gosh, that guy gets it. And so let God infiltrate all your thoughts. Let him help you think a little bit more about it than you might be if you're on cruise control and get it in order if it's out of control. He's not concerned about money. He's concerned about your heart, but I don't think I have to convince anybody in this day and age they're so intrinsically connected. Okay, how about from the scriptures, the moth, the rust, and the thieves? Jesus was addressing clothing. I mean, he used these words kind of specifically. Clothing, possessions, savings, and or investments. Uh, in the Greek, diorisusin uh, is to dig through. And it's this interesting picture that basically Jesus is saying, yes, moth, rust, and thieves will dig through your money and your possessions. That at some point, it was a real vivid understanding in their minds when they're dead and when they're gone, people are just going to come after it. 
And especially to the impoverished, it might just be that when you die, literally, you're going to have a few things, and people are going to besiege your house, and they're going to dig through those things. But it's not, again, a gentle or a poetic thing. It's that these things are so worthless that they'll be eaten by moth, eaten by rust, or carried away by thieves. We can extrapolate what this means for our life pretty simply. Treasure on earth, the things that we're accumulating are temporary. Can we at least say an amen to that and agree on that one today? They're temporary. They're depreciation. What do they go to in God's economy? They depreciate to zero. So it's not that they'll build and build and build. As far as you're concerned, if you try to take it with you, it'll depreciate to zero. And then the things that we have are actually vulnerable to attack. If Jesus was speaking our lingo, he would say, the money that you're hoarding and saving, if you're doing it for good reasons, that's great. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're trying to be responsible, it's wonderful. But if you're trying to accumulate these things, they just end up in the garbage can. Ultimately, Jesus is trying to speak to us much more shockingly than our pastor, than our financial advisor, than our spouse, than somebody who's helping us. It ends up in the garbage can. And so it starts to get us thinking, in what ways are you and I not storing up stuff that spiritually ends up in the garbage can, but in what ways are we storing up treasure on earth that ends up in the garbage can, but in what ways are we then instead storing up treasure in heaven? I think you're all with me. I think you all like me. But it's extremely important, it's extremely important that you and I hear these scriptures and a talk like this personally. It's not our job to judge the people on our block. Gasp. Don't you want to? It's not our job to judge people in our church. I'm so glad there's things like online giving and text to give and things like that because I remember when I first became a Christian, I could see people kind of watching the offering plate go by. And now you can say, I give at the office, you know, I give online. We, it's not like that, but that's not our job either in whatever way we would look around at other Christians and judge them uh, goodly or poorly. It's so extremely important that you and I hear this scripture personally. It's not our job to judge others' uses or decide that X amount of this many possessions is okay, but X plus one is not okay. It's our job to let God worry about those things, to encourage our brothers if we feel that God's called us to, but it's not our job to judge on that. That's pharisaical. That's rules and lying, that's judgment, but the scriptures preach grace, don't they, brothers and sisters? And one of the things I do like, this is just some help, it's not like this big, you know, epiphany, but one of the things that's so great about FPU, like the bowlers teach, or different God-based financial plans that you might, you know, be invested in, is sometimes you just need somebody to tell you where to put your money, so that you can just have freedom, you know, and know, like, Somebody's helped me to understand that tithing is good and that saving is good and that giving is good and, and that all of these things are good. So, I, you know, my personality, I used to ulcerate over every cup of coffee that cost more than 51 cents because I really believe these scriptures. 
And sometimes you need to not ulcerate in the other direction. You know, some of us ulcerate, I'm not doing enough. Some of us ulcerate, I don't want to do anything. The reward of God comes not from how much we put in the offering plate or how much um, we give online or how much we serve uh, in a certain way that might have a monetary value. The reward of God comes in ways like Hebrews 11.6. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And I share that scripture to say that God is looking for worshipers and a relationship with you first and foremost. And giving is really just a joy and not, you know, going without or some of the other things I'm going to talk about in a minute are really just a joy when they're viewed in light of the cross and of the freedom that God is desiring to unleash on us. Uh, treasure the right things. So treasure on earth is temporary, depreciates, is vulnerable. On the flip side, treasure in heaven is eternal. Amen? Treasure in heaven is eternal. When I invest in God, his people, the church, relationships, things that are eternal, treasure in heaven is eternal. It increases in value. How many times does the Lord Jesus say anybody that's given up uh, something or that's given something will be given, you know, one, two, ten, a hundred times more in this life and the life to come? It increases in value and it can't be taken away. There will be no moth, there will be no rust, there will be uh, no thieves digging through those things. They'll be laid at the feet of Jesus Christ as worship on the day of judgment. So where are you and I storing up treasure then in heaven? How, and again, to bless you so that we can bless others, so that our church is healthy, and even on the smallest things, so that times like Christmas and things like that don't get out of control. Where are you and I storing up our treasure in heaven? Where are we, instead of putting it in the garbage can, we're putting it at the cross? First thing, how can I invest my heart, money, better? First thing I want to challenge you to do, if you like, haven't been on board with letting God be the Lord of your finances, is to start praying about it. Just start praying about it. Start thinking about it. Start praying about it. How can I invest my heart money? Give. The Bible says it's about the heart. It's interesting. Most Christian leaders think we should give 10 to 20% of our income that God has blessed us with. Most Christian followers think it's a lot lower number. (laughs) That was supposed to be a joke. So it's interesting. The ones who are writing the books, the ones who are receiving their paycheck from the ministry, they're pretty confident it's 10% or you're going to hell. But, uh, but a lot of followers have a little more grace about it. Um, and so don't get caught up in those things, but find a conviction that's scripture-based about that. Uh, and and I, I think it should be about the heart. It should be about the heart. It should be cheerful. Yes, there are guidelines in the scriptures, uh, but the biggest guideline is God says it's about your heart. Treasure the right things. And he tells us all these lines over and over about how our, our treasures will reveal our heart. Um, how can I invest? Pray, give. If you're not giving, start. I just want to challenge you to start. I think I've told this story many times. Brenda and I got very convicted. We did everything at this church we were at. I mean, we were working all the time, and so we felt like we should have a free pass and not have to ever give to the church. This is when we were volunteers. And then I got really convicted. We were pretty broke. And I came home, and Brenda and I agreed, I think it was $10 a month we would start giving to the church. That $10 weighed 5,000 pounds. Like, it was so hard to do that. But we just picked, like, what's the lowest number we could pick where we could still be joyful and happy to do it? 
And then God has just grown that. And we trust God, if that's how God's working in your life, for God to grow that, not compulsion, not somebody making you feel bad about it. So if, if you're not given start, if you're holding back a little bit, uh, God's really blessed you, but you're, you know, you're holding back, loosen your grip. If you're being irresponsible and you're giving too much, that might happen in December. If you're being irresponsible and you're giving too much, um, meet me after church. I've always wanted to see a unicorn. Um, <laughs> enough on giving. Go without sometimes. It's such a beautiful thing in this day and age to just go. So we're not on giving anymore. Just how can I invest? Sometimes go without. Sometimes just say, I don't need that. And I don't think you should live this way 24-7 because you'll go crazy, Don. But sometimes you need to understand, like, does that coffee that I get every day to numb my pain, <laughs> a little moment where Jesus could be there? And I, again, I don't think you should live, like, every moment, like, well, I need new underwear, but I got to trust the Lord. <laughs> I mean, use your brain. But I do think there are times when it really needs to go, is that thing I need to wear, that thing I need to do, that place I need to go, am I covering up a hole with something that's not really going to do the job? Share what you have. How can I invest my heart and money better? If you feel like I don't have anything to give or I don't feel especially sacrificial or God's not telling me to do that, just share what you have, whether it's your home whether it's your belongings, whether it's your time. Lift up others. If you're struggling financially, I just want to implore you in the power of the Holy Spirit, start praying for someone else because if, God, if it's struggling in your life, there's someone else that's having such a more hard time than you are. And lift them up in prayer. Take your eyes off yourself in prayer and with help. I think it's important in our day and age to remember that when we feel like we have a little, there's someone else that would feel like that's a lot. I've been around some of the poorest people in our nation complaining about their neighbor in the trailer park because they have this kind of cable or they have this kind of extravagance. You'll see homeless people complaining and comparing themselves to one another based on the amount of baggage they are carrying around. And so it's universal. It's more common for you and I to feel like God has hosed us or we don't have what we really like to have or this person got it in this way. But remember, someone is looking at you and just thinking like, wow, you're the richest person I've ever seen. You have so much. So what does this mean, treasure the right things? I want to leave you with this and ask you to think about it today. The people and things that get people into heaven get my heart and my money. The things that do the work of Jesus get my heart and my money. The things that bring glory to God get my heart and my money. The things that grow Christians get my heart and my money. The things and people of God get my first, my best, my consistent. Those are the types of things that get my heart and my money. And oh yeah, it's actually not my money. It's God's money. And God has entrusted us to be a steward of his things, and he is watching. But it's not even my money, it's God's money, and my money actually belongs to him. 
and it's not even my heart. It's God's heart. Do you want us to give money to that baby? Is that what's happening right now? I'll do it, man. Adorable. Adorable. It's not my money. It's God's money. My money belongs to him, and it's not even my heart that I'm evaluating. It's God's heart, and your heart and my heart belong to him. Amen? Let's pray. just want to take a moment and invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads. It's not even on topic necessarily, but I hear that beautiful child, and I just say, God, may they grow up valuing Jesus Christ. May you put a passion in mom and dad to lead them to Jesus Christ. May the fact that they're even here in church today when many are sleeping in or getting rescue when they have kids that age, may that child and so many more like it in our church, down the hallway, and perhaps in this room or next door, be so full of passion to pursue Jesus Christ that they don't even need talks like this. They have set their heart and their goals and their lives on you, Jesus. God, as we evaluate our hearts in this moment, thank you for this generous and godly church. Thank you for the willingness to hear the truth of God, even when it's not comfortable or it's not always thing we would have signed up to hear on a certain day. God, I pray that you would unleash those with means to be radically generous and single-minded on the gospel as they also take care of their families and do good in our community. Uh, God, if there's anyone in the room who struggles with uh, the church just wants my money or this was all about this or that, may you free their hearts from those chains. Nobody wants them but you, God. You're the one that wants that life. You're the one that wants that heart. And may you bring a spirit of freedom and of joy into every church in Spokane when we talk about things like giving or serving or helping or inviting. And God, I pray for our church. Would you pour out your blessing in terms of the little things we're doing in our building and the bigger things we're doing across the globe and across our city to share the gospel. And then the simple things of gathering in rooms and gathering in homes to share Jesus together. Would you pour out blessing and help and thanks, God, into our church. God, could we be different this month, just this one month, where it's so cool to give gifts. May we give them in the spirit in which we were given Jesus Christ, with no strings attached, with no expectation of anything else, but with love and with joy and with generosity. God, may you guide us with wisdom this month and every month after that we are making decisions that are based on you and your lordship and your gospel and the fact that we just steward and hold onto your resources. God, thank you for the many, many scriptures that ask us to challenge you in this area of giving and of going without and of valuing the right things. God, make us the kind of people that only need you. Of course, we live in homes and we drive in cars and, and we do these things and we feed and we clothe ourselves and our families, but may our hearts be such that we recognize that every good thing is a gift from God. May our hearts be such that we recognize that all that I have, whether it feels like a lot or a little, is what you have entrusted me with to be a blessing to others with. And God, may as we worship, may we just be enthralled with how good you are, with how lovely you are, how great you are. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.